0: Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 14. We're in a series called Living Intentionally. It's about the power of fixed focus, intentionally. I've got purpose. I've got focus. I'm not drifting. It's not whatever will be, will be. I'm not washing up on a beach. I'm living with intentional purpose and focus, very, very important. And today we close our series, and I'm going to talk about one life to live one day at a time. Verse 7, Philippians 3, but whatever was gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost or given up all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from what I do, the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of my faith in Jesus. I want to know Christ, yeah, and the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Then he says, not that I've already obtained this, hadn't gotten there yet, or have already arrived at my goal. Now I'm still on the journey, but I press on, you know, in basketball, we have a full court press. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You know, one of the great things is to find out why God saved you. Why did God take hold of you? Paul says, that's my purpose in life. I want to discover why God saw anything in me worthwhile at all and what his purpose would be. I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwardly in Christ Jesus. Imagine that you're going to be involved in a play in a community theater, and it's the production of, let's just make one up, My Fair Lady. You've spent weeks and months preparing for your part, opening nights just around the corner, and tonight is a dress rehearsal. Now, you know what a dress rehearsal is. It's a low-risk run-through in an empty auditorium where the director gets a chance to make sure everybody knows what they're doing. But right before curtain call... There's a last minute turn of events. And the producer approaches you and says, Erica, tonight we got a special guest. He's flown in from New York, a big talent agent, and he wants to watch your performance. He's considering you for this very role you're playing tonight on Broadway. Well, holy Moses, (laughs) that's going to change the dynamic tonight quite a bit. Would you agree? No longer is it a mere dress rehearsal, it's a performance of your life. How well you do tonight will determine your future. And suddenly you're profoundly aware of the significance of the next two hours. And of course, you're going to give it all you've got. So let's imagine it's not just a local community theater production that we're talking about. Let's imagine we're talking about your life and mine where your performance today has the potential to take you for the future. And that is, in fact, the way it really is. One lesson we learned throughout throughout Scripture, and we focused on it in this series, is that this life is not a dress rehearsal. What we're experiencing today is not a dry run. It's the real deal, the real thing. Every day after day after day, it's game on for all of us. Now, we have a tendency to live sometimes as if today doesn't really count. We live as if we have another chance on another day to do things the way they ought to have been done or should have been done. So today we decide to coast. But the Bible teaches again and again, today is the day. Today matters. And as long as it's called today, it matters more than any other day in your life. So we're wrapping up this series called Living Intentionally, The Power of Focused Living. And all of the things that life brings your way have a tendency to blur our vision and make everything look fuzzy and unclear. Especially right now with pandemic, it's it's easy to just get sidetracked, distracted, and get unfocused. But when you know what your priorities are, and you know what matters most, and you live your life committed to doing what matters most, Then the most essential elements become clear and sharp and easy to identify. So in week one, we looked at what it means to live a one Lord lifestyle. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters, Rick. And only he has the right to be Lord of all. So as the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 12, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Week two came. And we talked about identifying your purpose. God has called all of us to something that's a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit beyond this. And if you're ready to reach, He's ready to help you fulfill every good thing your faith prompts you to do. That could be starting a business for yourself, buying a new home, making some change in your life. It could be a relationship. I don't know. It could be anything that faith has prompted you to do. It could be starting a ministry. It could be caring for the poor. It would be taking care of something in the church in the need that has your heart. That's what faith prompts you to do. Last week, we talked about that, which ought to be the defining characteristic of every church and every believer, but it's not love. Jesus made it clear our expression of love for others reflects the extent of my love for God. And I can tell you in our country right now, it's pretty crummy. If we show how we express love to other people, even people not like us, even people who are different than us, say, we want to love people like us. We don't want to love people because they're people that God made. Yet that's exactly what God calls us to do. And sometimes that's sacrificial love, and it's definitely inconvenient. But we want to be a people and a church like Jesus of inclusion, not exclusion. Jesus didn't die for a Republican church. He didn't die for a Democrat church. He didn't die for a woman church or a man church. He died for the world, for all of us. And he says, if you come into Christ, you're born again spiritually. There's no male, no female, no bond, no free, no Jew, no Gentile, no Republican, no Democrat. You're born again of the Spirit. You're one body, one people. You're brothers. For God's sake, how hard is that? No, we want to gather in church around our political ideology or or our race or, or God knows what else. I don't know. What's your view on this? First question I was ever asked when I came to this city, first question by a minister wasn't, welcome to San Antonio. What do you believe about tongues? That was it. Meaning he's going to judge me based on the answer I give to his issue. Now, he ain't around anymore, but we are. I said, well, when I was a Baptist, we wouldn't even buy shoes that had tongues in them. We were so fresh <laughs> Oh, I can take a Pharisee on any day. Don't you worry about me. But we are to love one another with that kind of love that expresses itself through what we do, even to the point we said of personal sacrifice. It is not convenient to love. Anybody married? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not convenient. And sometimes it hurts. And sometimes it's sacrificial. It's a fact. And that's true with people. Now, By the way, I remember helping a minister in Waco, gosh, almost 40 years ago, who was caught having uh, an immoral affair, and it was the biggest church at the time in Texas for sure, and I called him on the phone. I had met him through James Robinson, and we were in a rented building over on Bandera Road. I mean, we were just kind of getting started. And I called him and asked if I could help. He broke down sobbing on the phone. And this church supported him financially for one year. And brought him in, got him the ministry he needed, introduced him to other people, he and his wife. And as a result, he was. other people jumped on the bandwagon after we did it. And we didn't own anything. And I had people sending me back tapes back then and albums because I helped this person who did a bad thing. You think I give a rip? I, you, how many of you know me for so long? If I do a good thing and you don't like it and send back, well, I want my money back. Here's his albums that I bought. If he's going to help that bad guy, blah, 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 blah. I love that. I eat that for breakfast. Make my day. It was a right thing to do. It was a God thing to do. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's costly. Some people don't like you anymore because you help that person. Well, help them anyway. Jesus got in trouble. He was friends with publicans and sinners, fallen women. I I mean, what's changed? Not much. We've just been messed up. I just think we've just got church so screwed up. I don't know if we'll ever get it fixed. It is so crazy. If you do what Jesus said, you look like the weirdo now. We've been in the ditch so long, the blind leading the blind, that if you get up on the highway, you look weird. That's how bad it is. I, th- I would appreciate a little support in this town that you know good and well gathers on the basis of politics or race. You know it. I got to tell all my all my bad friends out there. I need your support. Good people aren't going to support us because they're going to they're going to hang out with race or political ideology or issues. They're not going to just love Jesus and love who he happens to love. Yeah, that's the way it goes. You know. <laughs> So what's new? What are we having for lunch? (laughs) I don't care. Okay, let's bring this series to the finish line. We're going to focus on an idea that we've uh, referenced maybe repeatedly in these uh, last three weeks. I'm talking about making the most of every single day. Maybe you remember the movie Dead Poets Society. It was about a literature professor of an elite prep school back in the 50s who resurrected an ancient Latin phrase that most people had long forgotten. This phrase now has re-entered our vernacular. It's in business and motivational seminars. It's everywhere now. But it was because of that film. And I think uh, Robin Williams uh, played the starring role in it. And the two words are carpe diem. Carpe diem, it means seize the day, grab it, choke it, hold it tight, give it all you've got, carpe diem. We only have one life to live. And Hebrews says, each person is destined to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Hebrews 9, verse 27. So we have only one life to live. Even Budweiser knows you only go around once in life. I'm trying to get Christians to realize that too. You just get one shot at this deal. This is why David said in the Psalms, Psalms 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days, not years, not months, not weeks, number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That phrase, number our days aright, has a two-sided meaning. It means help us understand the brevity of life and help us plan our days accordingly. I never thought I'd ever be this old. I mean, it's like, where did it go? Some of you have been married to the same person 30 years, and you think, 30 years? Has, for, well, I know how long ours is, but I'm not saying half a century almost. Doesn't, doesn't seem a day over 80 years, but anyway, it, <laughs> I'm just saying, it goes quick. It's a vapor, James says. Your life is a vapor, and then it's gone. And you don't know when. That's why he says, you got to number your days. Make them count. Oh, I know we have COVID. I know we have issues. So you're just going to let the day go. I'm not going to turn it loose. I'm going to control everything I can control. I'm going to get all the life out of this day I can. I prepared for this moment, this day, and the day tomorrow on Monday and doing the videos. And I'm going to bring my A game. And I'm going to seize every day, come hell or high water or COVID. Now, some of you have decided just to sit back and coast not good. You need to get back in the game and you need to seize the day and get the most out of every opportunity. I don't know how long our days will last and you don't either. Let's seize the day. So we have one life to live. In order for your life to be all that it can be, you got to learn to live it to the fullest. That's carpe diem. That's seizing the day. And it's what intentional living, fixed focus living is all about. Let me suggest that the most dangerous word in the English language is someday. Someday I'll be the father I've always intended to be. I know I should be. Someday I'll quit complaining and learn to be grateful for what I have. Someday I'll get in shape. I won't say who that applies to, but he's sitting over there. Someday I'll slow down, enjoy my family. Someday I'll take more risks. Someday. People just live their entire life waiting on someday. Someday when I graduate. Someday when I get a job. Someday when I get more money. Someday when I get married. Someday when I have children. Someday when the kids move away. Someday when I retire. Someday I'll stop waiting and start living. What? I don't want us to be a church of watchers. We're supposed to be doers or assisting someone who's doing. I was remembering Jeff Bezos with Amazon started in a garage. I got pictures of his little startup to become a billionaire. Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, none of them finished college. They had little ideas in their garage and became billionaires. Elon Musk put that space shuttle up in space hooked it up and did it at a fourth of the cost of the government with private enterprise and brought it safely back he was a South Africa boy they immigrated as a family to Canada and he and his college roommate got an idea and started PayPal you could do that how hard was any of that it's a night I was in the home doing a Bible study that Fred Smith attended in Memphis Tennessee so many years ago And Fred Smith was brought up in a home where his dad was a mail deliverer and worked for the United States Post Office. So he heard Daddy gripe and Daddy's ideas about how things could be better. But being a government bureaucracy, it'll never get better. But his son listened. He wrote his theme paper for his master's at Yale and got a C-minus on it. And the professor said that will never work. And Fred Smith went out and started the largest airline in the world, FedEx. You could do that, but you have to get off your bottom. You have to quit coasting. You have to pursue it. You have to seize the day, and there are a lot of obstacles to overcome. I hear people griping about this guy, griping about that billionaire. Why don't we raise up people who start businesses, who can fund the kingdom, who can put, let me put $2 million on that. Let me put $7 million on that. You're just as good as anybody out there. They just decided to give it a shot. If you want a no-risk life, you're going to have a no-reward life. That's it. Thank you. Amen. Security, bring that man down to the front. Okay. So let me speak for a couple of minutes on the attitude of being fully alive right now. Occupying, this is the only day I've got. This is the only moment I've got. I'm bringing my A game, the best one. Now, you get to watch, but I hope you'll leave here and do and seize your week. Your day, your opportunity, there are some things you can do, some things you can control. Engage in a positive conversation with somebody, uplift somebody, encourage somebody, give them an idea, use what God's given you to the best. And if you use what you've got, God says, I'll give you more. Let's occupy completely this present moment because this moment is the only one I've got. Yeah, I've got plans tomorrow, but I don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. I made my plans, so I better suck it up and suck out all the life in this day I possibly can Yesterday's gone, and there's nothing I can do to bring it back. Tomorrow is not here yet, and it may never come. You only have this moment. So let me talk to you for a few minutes about living with a make the most of this day mentality, seizing the day. Each and every day in order for this day to be all that it has the potential to be, make three resolutions. Real simple, right? It'll help you keep your focus fixed on what matters most. Three things. Here they go. Number one, put the past behind you. Put the past behind you. You can't change it anyway. In the first week of this series, we talked about two ways we tend to dwell in the past, and neither one of them helps us at all. If the past was particularly bad, we have a hard time letting go of the mistakes we made or the the sins we committed or the hurtful things we've experienced at the hands of others. It's hard to let go of a difficult past. We keep asking ourselves, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did that have to happen to me? Why, Why couldn't it have been different? See, a hurtful past brings bitterness, shame, and regret into your present. It takes away your ability to focus on what matters most. And you can't even change it. Sometimes we don't just dwell on the past. We cling to it like a girlfriend. Because the past, I don't know where that came from, but I just, it came by and I jumped on it and wrote it. I don't know. Okay. So sometimes our past was so much better than what we're experiencing today, we're going to cling to it. Well, back then, Rick, I had more money. Back then, I was in a better place. Back then, my troubles were few, my problems small. Back then, life was simple and carefree. Why can't my life today be like it was back then? See, the back then mindset prevents you from focusing on the meaningfulness and opportunity of today. That's why Paul said, but whatever was to my profit, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, he says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So I'm saying if you want your life to go where God wants it to go, you need to make it your daily resolve. Put the past behind you. I used to use this phrase, once and for all, when I would talk about this issue. I don't do that anymore because it's rarely a one for all, once, for all kind of a life. Sometimes the past creeps back in on us. Sometimes it haunts us or taunts us. And so it's our daily obligation to put it behind us once again, as many times as necessary. If somebody hurt you, betrayed you, uh, defrauded you, did something to you, when that comes back to your mind, it's not once and for all, you do it again. I thank you, Lord, I have forgiven this person. I wish them no harm or justice. Uh, I thank you the thief will restore sevenfold. I choose to forgive them and let it go. Yeah, but how often do I do it, Rick? Tell it doesn't hurt anymore. Yes. I, I remember I was with T.D. Jakes. Oh, this is a long, long time ago. And he was answering a question. Somebody said, how do I know if i forgive forgiven somebody? He says, when you remember what happened, it doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't bother you. Pretty good. I thought that was a very good answer. Anybody ever been hurt? (laughs) Well, get over it. (laughs) Put it behind you. We don't want to hear about your ex-husband. What's your plan for today? If it was me, I'd drink a few cans of Slim Fast, tone myself up a little bit, put on a little evening in Jerusalem perfume. I'd make myself shark bait. That's what I'd do. And I'd say, okay, Jack, you're the loser. I'm going to make you regret you lost me. And I'm going to choose a whole lot better. That's what I do. I'm gonna seize the day. I'm not gonna sit around and suck my thumb and get wrinkles and overeat and gain more weight. No one want to be around me. Really, really. I'm gonna take you home, and fix you up. I'm going to... <laughs> I'm not gonna let you think that way, talk that way. There's a better way. You got to make this day count for whatever it is. You know. I... Let me give you an example about the past and putting it behind you. This is October. It was no, sorry it wasn't. It was New Year's Day. New Year's Day, 1929. Georgia Tech's playing California in the Rose Bowl. You can Google this and see it. Late in the second quarter, Roy Regals he recovered a fumble for California. And in his excitement, he got confused and started running the wrong way. For 65 yards. He thought he was about to score. Instead, one of his own teammates tackled him at the two yard line. You saw the video. That meant that his mistake put California 98 yards away from where they needed to be. 98 yards away from where they could have been had he had a better sense of direction. <laughs> the mistake was serious. A few plays later, Georgia Tech got the ball back and scored. In the locker room at halftime, Roy Riga sat in the corner, his face buried in his hands, crying. The rest of the room was silent. The coach didn't make his usual halftime speech. But just before the team was to take the field for the second half, he said, the starting team will go back on the field to begin the second half. Well, the whole team left the locker room except Regis. He remained in the corner, his head down in shame. He said, I can't do it, coach. I can't play. I've ruined the whole team. The coach said, get up, Regals. The game is only half over. You belong on that field get up and get back in the game, and they won. You know, your game isn't over yet either. Regardless of the past, you still have the rest of the game to play, and you belong on the playing field. That's important. Don't now sit down, sob, cry, feel sorry for yourself. You've messed up. It could have been a divorce. It could have been any number of things. No, no. The game's not over. It's just a halftime. You've you got a lot of game left to play. I try to say to everybody, get back in the game. You have no right to lead. You. God didn't put you out of the game. He says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. He hasn't changed his mind just because you screwed up. Now, that leads me to the second resolve we need to make on a daily basis. Not only do we want to put the past behind us, I need to make it my habit to take the road before you. Now, what's the road before you? Well, it's the second half of the game, Regus. It's the next job, the next sales call, the next assignment. It's the next try. Even if all your life has been spent running the wrong way and you find yourself now tackled at the two, 98 yards from where you ought to be, you leave the locker room because the game isn't over. Many games are run in the last few minutes when it looked like it was over. And maybe you've said, well, I guess it's over for me. No, not We got a 100-year-old Abraham. It ain't over for me. We got 80-year-old Moses getting his commissioned call at 80. It's not over for me. I'm not looking for AARP or Medicare or God knows what else that's old and ugly for people who are finished in life. Not finished. I hadn't taken my last breath and neither of you. My best days could be just ahead of me. The glory of the latter house will exceed the glory of the former house, Scripture said. You belong on the playing field, regardless of the screw-ups in your past. Paul understood that he couldn't take the road before him if he kept looking back over his shoulder. So he said, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining forward to what is ahead. I press towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, in Christ Jesus. That means each day we need to ask ourselves, what can I do today to make the most of this day? You know, just pause a moment. The team, the tech team, all of us, the the creative team, part of the staff, we're always thinking, what can we do? Now we're going to have chosen coming up very soon with with all the ladies, it'll be different because there'll be people who won't come but will watch online, and then there'll be people who will come. Everything has changed. Now we got church people staying at home. Yesterday, Cindy and I drove down the road and went right by Walmart. Not a parking place available. The place and the parking lot jammed. And I thought, and you ain't going to come to church for 60 minutes? Dear God, who raised you? I want to talk to your mom and daddy if, if they're still alive. What are you talking about? This is as, is as safe as Walmart. I'm serious. Some of you cave dwellers watching online need to get yourself in here in the fellowship unless you have a serious illness. Enough of that fear. It's funny. You can go shopping at H-E-B. You can go to Costco. I don't mean to preach, but I do have a license. And I'm saying, I don't understand. This, this, this is, you've got the f- presence of God himself here. And I'm saying, what, what do you know what's in Walmart? You know, Costco or Sam's. When they're jammed in there. And if you want to be a protester, you don't even have to wear a mask. Talk about dumb. Just dumb. This country's lost its mind. Well, in week one we talked about paving a path for your heart to follow. So we need to ask ourselves, what can I do today that will move me in the direction of God's purpose for my life and move me in a close relationship with God, knowing He's got me, He's got my back, He's going to, that which he has begun in me, he'll perform it till the day of Jesus. So every time we've ever faced a crisis, I always stand on Philippians 1, 6. Rick, that which I have begun in you, I will perform it until. I don't know how. I don't know when. I have his promise. So I've got faith and persistence. I'm loaded up until. I told you, don't look for a quick fix. I don't see a quick fix on the horizon. So we have to make the most of how we plan services, what we plan to do, the best we can. If you got even better ideas, share them. We're open to that. See, don't be an armchair critic. Be somebody who will engage in some other options. And as we talked about living out your purpose in life, we need to ask, what good thing can I do today that would be pleasing to God, that is activated by faith, that the Lord would take glory in. He, he, he led me to do something. I had a friend in here last night that for five years I begged him, pushed him, pressed him, manipulated him, witchcraft him, tried to guilt him into going into business for himself because he was doing so well in the whole state for another company. And I said to him, you can do this for yourself. And he kind of knew it, but it's hard to let go of a guaranteed paycheck. For a bigger future and a bigger paycheck but he did now he's got three businesses two condominiums and he told me it's never been so good in my life I said yeah and you wasted five years because I told you to do it before COVID I told you five years I've been pressing you to do it but I'm glad you did it better late than never what's God pressing you to do you know you don't want to have a no-risk life there's no reward for that And as we talked about living a life of love, we need to keep our eyes open on a daily basis, looking for the next opportunity to show love somewhere to someone, even when it's inconvenient, and it will be, or it calls for some sacrifice. We do it on a daily basis. You take the road before you. You press on. You make this day look like every other day ought to look, focused on Jesus, pursuing your purpose, loving others. That's what every day should be about. Every day you bring your A game. Here's the third resolve that we have to make in the last. Aim for that which is beyond you. Aim for that which is beyond you. Another way to say it is keep reaching for that which is above you. This verse in the King James, uh, verse 14, Paul says, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So wherever God's calling you, he's calling you to stretch, get you out of your comfort zone. Wherever God's calling you, he's calling you to reach And Paul makes it plain, hey, not that I have already attained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Then he says it again, brothers, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, I'm not going to be bound by what didn't happen, should have happened, or what I didn't do, I should have done. I'm going to forget what's behind me and strain towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal. And the NIV says straining toward, King James says reaching forth, and it's a reach. And it may seem at times like an impossibility, but you keep reaching. It may seem impossible this marriage could ever get back on an even track, but you keep reaching for a better relationship. It might seem impossible your business plan could work, or that a degree could be attained in school, but you keep reaching for success. It may seem impossible that you would ever experience power over sin, but you keep reaching I thought about Ray Kroc at 54 drove into San Bernardino, California Met a restaurant owner the McDonald brothers and saw a vision and it took him 30 years to become an overnight success But he did he kept reaching there was setback limitations But he stayed with it. And if you want to read a good book, again, about perseverance and reaching, pour, uh, there's a book by Schultz, uh, the the founder of Starbucks. Pour your heart into it. And how he went to Italy, saw how coffee was made. People said people will never pay $3 for a cup of coffee. (laughs) Oh, that's what happens when you listen to your friends. But he persevered, pressed on and change the world. Now it's hard to go anywhere in the world. You don't see a Starbucks. And I mean and getting investors to to buy into it, the struggle that he had, he wouldn't give up that dream. Well, some of you might have just quit way too soon. Nobody said it'd be easy. Doing the right things never usually easy, and doing the will of God's never easy either. Seizing the day means that each and every day you dare to reach again for something that is above your capacity to reach and beyond your ability to grasp, and you know it's worth the effort because it's leading you heavenward. It's part of your higher calling you have in Christ Jesus. I'm going to close with this. In 1960, Dashrath Manji, there's his picture was a common laborer from Gilhor Hills in Bihar, India. His community was remote, had limited access to vital services, because traveling involved going around a 300-foot mountain that stood between the towns. So Dashrath decided that what his community needed most was a road through the mountain. Since no one else was going to do it, he decided, I'll do it. He sold some goats to buy a hammer and chisel and set out chipping away at that mountain every day after work. People thought he was crazy and his project would never be completed, but he just kept chipping away and chipping away with a hammer and a chisel. In 1960, he started chipping. 61, chipping. 62, 63, chipping. Then let's fast forward a couple of decades, 1980, still chipping away, 1981, chipping, 1982, and the project was finished. The road is 30 feet wide, 25 feet high. Now, instead of having to travel 55 kilometers for access to vital service, the people of his village only have to travel 15 kilometers. What an example of reaching for that which is beyond you. What an example of making the most of each day. American Christians quit too soon. We give up too easy. Can you really carve a road through a 300-foot impasse of a mountain with a hammer and a chisel by yourself? Yep. If you got 22 years, you can do it. 22 years when you reach for it every day and you keep chipping away. If you want your life to become what it can be, you need to make it your daily resolve. Aim for that which is beyond you. Keep reaching for that which is above you. And you do it every single day. We can't afford to go through life with a dress rehearsal mentality that tells us today doesn't really count. No. The real performance will begin somewhere else down the road, Rick. No, no, no. It's geared to today. Today is the day of salvation. Harden not your heart. This is the only day I've got. This is not a dress rehearsal. It's the real thing. Today matters, and as long as it's called today, it matters more than any other day in your life. You have one life to live, and none of us can live it only one day at a time. That's how everybody has to live it. So let's carpe this diem. Let's seize this day and make the most of it by putting the past behind us, taking the road in front of us, Continuing to aim for that which is beyond us, reach for that which is above you, the high calling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's make it our endeavor to live intentionally with fixed focus on that which matters the most. For some of you, it's time to get off the bench and get back in the game. Get back on track to what you stopped or gave up for or figured, well, I guess it's over. If God ever intended it for you, he's not changed his mind. That's a scripture you just don't hear. His gifts and his callings are irrevocable. He does not change his mind because you messed up. Get back in the game. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit SummitSA.com.